Hey there, mama, and welcome back to the Moms Overcoming Overwhelm podcast, episode 31. I'm Emily McDermott, and I am here beside you on this journey as we work together to declutter your home, head, and heart. Before we dive in, I wanted to sincerely thank you. At the time of this recording, I am 10 written reviews away from hitting my goal of 100 in Apple Podcasts. Once we hit the goal, I'm doing a fun giveaway for my listeners that I can't wait to share with you. Okay, mama. So last week we spoke about the mindset shift that changed everything for me when it comes to decluttering, focusing on our capacity rather than how much our homes and calendars can hold. Stress, anxiety, and overwhelm definitely impact how we parent. And if you throw a strong-willed kiddo or two into the mix, then parenting becomes even more challenging. Today's guest is Daniel Bettman. Danielle is a positive, disciplined, certified parenting mentor for families with strong-willed kids ages 1 to 7 and host of the Failing Motherhood podcast. Don't you love the name of that podcast? I absolutely love it. She guides parents to cultivate cooperation, extend their patience, and prevent behavior proactively through a group coaching program called Wholeheartedly Calm. Again, Doesn't that sound amazing? A teacher by trade and a coach by strengths, her passion is to be a translator between adult and child, helping parents crack the code of their child's personality and find sanity and strategies. Today, Danielle shares her powerful story about why she ended up downsizing with her two daughters, moving to an apartment and getting rid of 75% of their belongings. And even when she moved into a larger home again, not filling it up with stuff when she recognized the benefits of living with less. We then talk about how to approach parenting with self-awareness, self-compassion, and without the mom guilt, especially when we're overwhelmed and dealing with strong-willed kiddos. So what do you say? Grab that notebook and pen, and let's dive into today's conversation with Danielle Bettman. Hey there, mama. Are you tired of all the stuff crowding your home, calendar, and mind? Do you wish you could say goodbye to the endless to-do list running around in your head? Want to declutter but don't know where to start? You're in the right place. Welcome to Mom's Overcoming Overwhelm, where you will find proven and practical solutions to declutter your home, head, and heart. Hi, I'm Emily, a wife, boy mom, and simplicity seeker. I struggled to get pregnant and felt overwhelmed until I discovered decluttering could create the physical and emotional space I needed to become a mom. Now two kids later, I've transformed my life and motherhood by developing simple systems around decluttering, capsule wardrobes, kid stuff, cleaning and tidying, meal planning, time management, and more, and I can't wait to share them with you. If you're ready to reclaim the time and energy you crave, be present with your kids, and finally enjoy the life and motherhood you so deserve, let's kick overwhelm to the curb, shall we? Grab your lukewarm coffee, your notebook and pen, and clear off some counter space. Let's do this. Well, hi, Danielle. Thank you so much for coming on the Moms Overcoming Overwhelm podcast. I'm so happy to have you. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. We connected through Instagram, which is pretty common in this podcasting world. And I immediately loved, loved, loved the name of your podcast because I um, often feel like I am failing motherhood. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, that's a universal thing. I feel like for many moms and this being a podcast for overwhelmed moms, a lot of times we're feeling overwhelmed about our parenting and what we're doing and not doing and so forth. So I can't wait to jump in and would love to start with you introducing yourself, kind of telling us a little about you, your family, kind of who you serve, and then also just like how you like to spend your time. 
Ooh, sure. Okay. So yeah, my name's Danielle. I am a positive discipline certified parent educator and my background is in education and teaching. So I was teaching um, birth through grade three education coming out of college and did a lot of home visiting um, in families' homes and then became a parent myself and realized I had no idea what I was talking about. <laughs> my daughters are 15 months apart. So they, I don't professionally recommend that. It was a blur. But I learned so much so quickly when my second daughter came along and I realized that siblings can be wildly different. Who knew? And she, her personality was so uh, very strong-minded, we can say. Strong-willed um, is, is that term that we coined now. But uh, she has taught me everything I know in um, how to work with this personality trait who just cannot be told what to do. So that's what I do now is I work with families that have strong-willed kids age one to seven, and they're just really wanting to be a lot more patient and to have higher level communication uh, techniques to use with their kids that truly just are, are healthy and cultivate cooperation and then meet their core needs of their child that is usually exacerbated by change and missing um, with control and attention and things like that. So we just stabilize everybody in the family. Um, so I have a group coaching program as well as one-on-one -on -one coaching. And um, that's what I do full-time as well as hosting the podcast that you mentioned, Failing Motherhood. So if you're full of mom guilt and your temper scares you and you're afraid to admit any of those things out loud and feel like you're screwing up your child, you belong and failing motherhood. And I really just normalize that feeling of we've all been there and continue to feel that way. And you're not bad or wrong for feeling that way. It actually is a pretty good sign that you care a lot and you're trying um, really, really hard. And so um, so that's my podcast that I'm super, I, I love podcasting so much. I love being able to connect with, with you here. So I live in Nebraska, Omaha, Nebraska in the middle of the Midwest. And I've been married to my high school sweetheart now um, we've been together 20 years, um, married for 13, and um, again, I have two daughters. Um, but how I spend my time is I drink a lot of coffee and I love reading fiction. That's like my guilty pleasure that makes me feel like I'm really getting to do something for me. Um, I love being able to work out in ways that remind me of my gymnastics career. So I was a competitive gymnast for like ever my whole childhood basically and then i became a cheerleader in high school and college and so whenever i do like really really hard dance workouts or something that uh, reminds me that i still have all the flexibility that i used to um that that makes me feel like i'm i'm having a lot of fun so i also just love uh, talking over coffee with other grown-ups with virtual or real life i don't care i just want to want to make sure that i'm connected with other grownups um, and but only one-on-one -on -one, uh, because I cannot handle two people talking to me at once that is my biggest like mom <laughs> trigger is when I'm trying to talk to my husband and my kids are talking over me I can't I like my, my brain short circuits and I just lose everything so <laughs> that's oh everything gosh. you've ever needed to know and not I love it. ever asked for about me <laughs> well I made sure to put myself on mute so I wouldn't talk over you because <laughs> <laughs> I heard in one of your podcasts, you were like, yeah, I really like to be the one talking most. I'm like, okay, myself. no, just kidding. Um, yeah, I resonate with a lot of what you were talking about, especially, I mean, my boys are 20 months apart and, mm -hmm. um, I know when I'm on your podcast at some point, we'll be talking more about it, but yeah. part of the impetus for why I got into this was that 
I, we went through IVF for my first, and then we had our free baby, as I like to say, and I wasn't expecting to have two under two. And mm. I can't even imagine with the uh, close in age, you know, it was closer in your, in your case. And it just like nothing prepares you for no. it. Like absolutely no. nothing. So, um, I don't even have to ask you if you were overwhelmed <laughs> because you said you don't professionally recommend it. Um, yes. and I totally agree. But can you kind of take us back to, you know, a time when you were kind of in that overwhelm and you were like, oh my gosh, like something needs to change. Like everything around me is just chaos and I don't know what to do. Um, that's where a lot of our mamas are. And obviously I kind of, you know, try to take them through some of the decluttering aspect of how to make the chaos a little bit more manageable. Yes. Um, but I would love to hear kind of a little bit of your story of going from that overwhelm and sort of that tipping point of where you knew some, something had to change. Yes. Yes. And I love that story of change for, for moms when they just hit, hit like rock bottom is beautiful in a lot of ways. I have a podcast episode where I interview one of my friends about her rock bottom and uh, you know, we, we feel like we're the only ones, but it is so universal that we all have some similar story of that. So in our family, when I had my second daughter my, my first was 15 months and I had a C-section with my second so i was recovering from that we don't have any family in town and i was needing to go back to work at eight weeks and my husband was starting to go through um, really functional but what we learned to be alcoholism at the time and he was really burned out with work he was um in the corporate world traveling a whole bunch and just having a, a really really hard time just doing what he needed to do. And I didn't realize that he was struggling that much because I was struggling a ton. Uh, I was, you know, going through, I can't even pronounce it, but like the adolescence from motherhood, matricence, and uh, just really feeling like I was drowning in all ways, shapes, and forms of this new role of motherhood. And he was drowning in his own stress. And so we it got to a breaking point over the next two years where I felt incredibly alone. I felt um, incredibly overwhelmed. We lived in a four, four, I can't remember what they call that, where it's like a four room, it's like a 1905 house where you can't see anyone in the other rooms. It's like, it's really confined. And uh, it was a beautiful home, but we are not people that do home projects. We hate yard work. It will never be our thing. Um, and it felt like there was always looming like something that was just going to break and cost like, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars we didn't have. And so that that homeownership was really stressing us out. And um, and I I was just really fearing for his safety. I was really feeling like it was getting to the point where I didn't know if he was going to be okay. And then if he wasn't okay, then I wasn't okay. And eventually my friend turned me on to Al-Anon, which is a support group for families of alcoholics. And thankfully I went there every single week, at least once a week, and it saved my sanity because that's where I learned for the very first time as a grown up about boundaries and about taking care of yourself and about being able to control what you can control and just having this like healthy sense of individualism in in relation to codependence and just understanding what that was and 
And I went through a whole, probably like the seven stages of grief <laughs> through that process of uh, not understanding why I was the one that had to do the work and that, you know, there's, clearly there's nothing wrong with me. But eventually got to a place where I knew for the health and safety of our family, I needed to protect my kids and make sure that he wasn't caring for them or driving with them in ways that, you know, would, would harm them. So I decided to get an apartment and I got, I signed a lease and then I asked him to help me sell the house. And um, he eventually moved back in with us into the apartment after he went to inpatient rehab, which was a whole nother process of, you know, going through, through getting him there and all of that. But eventually we were in this apartment together and kind of in like a rehabilitation of our family phase. And it was really beautiful because in compared to the house to the apartment, we got rid of probably 75% of our belongings. We got rid of everything in the garage, you know, everything in the basement. We had no space. I really didn't want to get a storage unit because I knew that I would just pay to have a whole bunch of things deteriorate that I wouldn't see for three years. And I was just adamant that, you know, we had to get rid of things that wouldn't fit there. We brought a few tabs of like sentimental things to our parents, but then other than that, it was donated or, or sold. And it felt so good because we didn't we didn't miss anything genuinely. Um, we were able to live with so much less with our girls. They ended up sharing a room, and um, we got the little IKEA loft bed. They had a few toys in you know two of the closets in the apartment and a few in the living room. Thankfully, they were at that age where they were they were three and two, so they were above all like the baby stuff that just completely takes over your house. But uh, it was so easy to clean. It was so easy to clean. It took like an hour to do all the surfaces and, you know, the two bathrooms. And it was just about a thousand square feet. And we didn't have access to the to the backyard, but we had a nice green space. We could go downstairs and go out. And um, we ended up just like really thriving there. So we stayed there for three years until it was mid 2020 and the pandemic set in and they were homeschooling on Zoom. And I was doing my business on Zoom, all in this 10 by 10, <laughs> uh, 10 by 10 room of this living room with no you know, access to outside. And we're like, okay, we can't do this anymore. And we ended up finding a, a house to rent, thankfully. But we have not really bought any more furniture or um, gotten anything else in our house now that we didn't have at the apartment. So there's like two or three rooms, full on rooms that like don't have a whole lot of anything in them. And I cannot tell you how amazing that is for our girls to just run around in socks. <laughs> and we're now like the, the Playdate house because it's the best house for hide and seek, reportedly. I'm quoting, quoting other seven-year-olds right now. <laughs> but they also have so much like just free space to be creative with their friends. And then once they all go home, we don't have like anything to clean up. So it's wow. great. <laughs> Living the dream. Now, oopsie, I told you that when I talk, I bang. <laughs> I get so excited um, with my hands here. But um, so much of that is just, oh, well, it's just really powerful. When we were kind of prepping for this, you were talking about, you know, downsizing and I didn't understand the reason, you know, obviously mm -hmm. why. And that is um, incredibly powerful because I always talk to um, the listeners about starting you know, every journey of editing your life with what is most important for you. And so you had to really look at, okay, you know, this is what's going on in my life. I need to keep my kids safe. Like it doesn't, the stuff doesn't matter. 
You know, yeah. it just doesn't matter. You just are like, okay, this is what needs to be done. You know, you um, are able to move into that smaller space and then realize like, oh, there are a lot of benefits to this and we can do this. And mm -hmm. now I really applaud you because I hear from a lot of people, um, sometimes my husband included, don't tell him, <laughs> but he'll say, you know, well, we have the space for it, you know, so why don't we just keep the thing that we never yep. used because we have the space and I'm in a townhouse, so it's not like huge, mm -hmm. but um, just recognizing the benefits of having those empty rooms, because I know a lot of listeners, I had never heard of this term, but they said they have their doom room, which is like the one that the door always stays closed and oh, yes. everything. So I know several people with doom rooms that would be happy to fill up your space for you. <laughs> but just kind of remembering, yeah, we can play, the kids can be creative, they can do all of these things. And just the decrease of time with cleaning alone is just, you think about how you want to be spending your time and your energy right. and your resources. And if you're kind of short tempered with parenting, well, if you're having to spend hours and hours cleaning and picking up all the stuff and resenting the kids because they have all the stuff, but who bought the yep. stuff for them anyway, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> you know, so that is really, um, really, really helpful. Um, and so besides kind of looking at those benefits of the kids can be more creative and um, there are these, you know, we're the, the play date house and everything like you're talking about. Uh, are there any other tips that you have for moms that are worried about kind of that clutter creep, as I would call it? Like, oh, okay, I, you know, we have the space for it now. So mm -hmm. it's okay if I get more stuff. Like, how have you kind of held fast to these are the benefits? So we're going to keep this home as open and um, clutter-free as possible. Yeah. Yeah. And originally when we moved in, I couldn't wait to buy things, right? Like I was waiting to, we have this nice, beautiful front room that has like these giant bay windows. It's kind of a mid-century house. And I have all these big plans in my head for a big order from Article, the furniture store where I want to get the, you know, a big rug and, you know, these nice like big marble coffee table and, and these chairs that I, I just have it on like my vision board to get. But, you know, the one part of it is just, it's never been the money's there that hasn't been already prioritized for something else in this season of life where it just, it has not been the thing that rose to the top to be able to, to pull the trigger on. So, I mean, that that's a limiting factor in and of itself. But even if we did, have all that money right now. I think it's 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 been the time that I've seen it pay off where now, you know, living here a year and a half to two years, now I know kind of what we really need for our spaces to work well for us right now in this season. So the big bay window had a giant Christmas tree that I had got from somebody off of Facebook Marketplace where it's like a very oversized old school artificial Christmas tree, but it took up like half the room and it could because it doesn't have anything else in that room. And then it was, you know, the room that we opened presents in and it, we could destroy it and there's Legos everywhere and it's fine. It doesn't bother me because it's not in the living room where we have our TV and, you know, that we have that space, it's still calm over there. So it's nice to be able to have designated places where you can leave a mess periodically when they are in project mode. I mean, I have two girls, they are constantly getting into art projects and they wanna make this ornament thing. They got a whole set of kit for, and then they spill it 
<laughs> inevitably or uh you know doing this lego set but and then it's half done forever we uh, a lot of my clients you know lament about that because it's like at the end of the night I want to get everything put away so that I can relax. And that's really hard to do when your house is made for living in and your kids are living there too. And they are in the middle of stuff. They they have not gotten to finish. And we do have some boundaries over things like, you know, a giant cardboard box. That cardboard box is going to live in our house for probably about a week. And then, you know, it has served its life and we will put it to the curb and things like that, you know, have have time periods to them. But otherwise, it's really just being able to say, like, what do us four humans need in this season of life? And sometimes that's going to be my my peace of mind of having a super clean house at the end of the night is not the priority right now. It's not as accessible. I have the rest of my life to have a really, really clean, quiet house that I'm going to miss these days with. Right. So like being able to bring that perspective in has helped to be able to just embrace the season that we're in of kind of empty, empty rooms. Yeah. That's such um, a good reminder that it is in the grand scheme of things, a really short season. And I am a very um, highly sensitive person as far as my environment and everything. And Mm -hmm. I am kind of proud of myself in some ways because upstairs on our main floor, we took the coffee table, we moved it out of the way so that there was open space for playing and dance parties and the whole thing. And right now that's like the Lego floor and it's where Mm. all the Legos are. And the boys just kind of before school, after school, they go there, they work on their new, you know, Lego police stations that they're building or whatever. And I'm able to look at that and say, it's okay because when I'm cleaning that area, it takes probably five, 10 minutes at the tops to get all the Legos contained and then be able to clean. And, but I'm okay in this season, just having that be the Lego space. And it's all right, because I know that they don't have toys everywhere and there are tidier places, but that is a good reminder. Um, I feel like, and especially listening to some of your podcast episodes, one of the greatest areas of growth I've had as a parent. And I, uh, credit myself and my therapist and also wishing I would have found you a little sooner (laughs) Um, is valuing the relationship that I have with my kids over what I think is important in the moment of like, no, they're supposed to be obeying or no, my house is supposed to be clean. It's supposed to be tidy. This is the way it's supposed to be. And, And for so much of my parenting, I've held so fast to that that the relationship has been fractured, especially with my youngest, who is more of my strong-willed one. Mm -hmm. So talking about that, um, I'm going to kind of flip a little bit the order we were going to go in and just talking about um, strong-willed kiddos. You know, we like want to be the best parents that we can be. And meanwhile, these mamas that are listening, they're overwhelmed with just all the various roles they have to play, things that they have to do. Um, and so they're like, not always being the parent that they want to be myself included. So how do we parent them in a way that really makes us feel proud? Like even when we're stretched and, and, uh, stretched thin and stressed in these overwhelmed seasons, because I know strong willed kiddos are kind of like your wheelhouse. (laughs) So if you could talk a little bit about that, please. Yes. The struggle is real. Absolutely. And if you are even asking that question, as a parent, you're already doing a really good job of being mindful and intentional about your role and like what, how you want to be 
spending your time and what family time you want to be creating. And you're only worried about it if you have high expectations of yourself or really good intentions and you feel like you're out of integrity and there's a gap there. And that gap is worth addressing to feel like you are confident enough that you are doing the main things and keeping the main things, the main things so that you can have lots of self-compassion and grace for yourself in that, you know, you can't do it all and perfection isn't the goal. And, you know, you do want to feel like you're giving your kids at least some semblance of the best of you. So in the times that it's most influential, and then when you give that self-compassion for the rest, you can also hand that to your kids and say, they're not going to be perfect and they're doing their best. And, you know, I can have grace and I can pick up after them sometimes too. And it's okay. Right. So uh, it's all that perspective and that mindset comes from truly just getting a little bit more support usually, because uh, for me, I didn't have family to rely on. I felt really isolated and alone from friends not understanding. And a lot of my clients are really, really afraid of asking for help and opening up because it feels like nobody else is struggling or having any problems. Everyone else has really calm, cool, collected, compliant kids. So they just can't relate. (laughs) And you know, at our house, we're experiencing fits of rage that like really make me feel like a terrible parent and nobody else clearly is having this. So like, I can't even open my mouth um, because I'm when I do, I'm judged for it or, you know, family and friends may have um, bad suggestions that don't feel right to me or, you know, that they just need to be spanked. And, you know, all those things just compile into this like big ball of confusion and, and conflicting information. And so that's where a lot of my my families end up when they, when they come to me. And I, I always just want to let them know that like your sanity as a parent is everything. That is the week one topic of my group program is prioritizing your sanity, not only because you as a parent, your well-being, uh, you deserve, you know, to have your own needs met. But at the same time, it enables everything else to fall into place. But if you don't have your capacity, you can't possibly remember to do the parenting tip or strategy that you found on Instagram earlier that day. You can't possibly think of all the ways that you're supposed to be responding differently or having a lot more patience. Um, You're just a ticking time bomb of a pressure cooker at that point. You know, nobody's meant to just keep it all in. You have to actually process stress and, you know, be able to complete the stress cycle. And so that's one of the first lessons that I make sure that families understand is, is, Yes, you need self-care, it's not bubble baths, but truly just being able to ask yourself, what do I need? How can I meet that need? And how can I do that unapologetically knowing that it is the best thing for my kids and they will absolutely benefit when I do have more sleep or I eat three meals a day or I drink some water or I go for a walk, you know, without them or I talk to a friend on the phone, Um, whatever that is that really fills your cup, um, knowing that that is is super, super, super important. The first thing to focus on, because then you'll have more to give. And when you have more to give, you'll be able to take in more strategies and just be able to start to change things. But it's very, 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 very hard to do to not only not react on the instincts of however your parents parented or whatever your first reaction is to, you know, someone yelling at you or telling, you no, um, to, to think that you can stop yourself and, you know, become this like Zen, like Yoda in that moment. And just, you know, be this gentle parent at their level. That's you're asking a lot of yourself. So to, to think that that's possible, you absolutely have to have your basic needs met as a parent start there. 
Yeah. I have experienced that a lot in my own life. And then also, you know, even having some of that self-reflection and self-awareness of recognizing that I was trying to parent based upon the parameters that I have been parented. Yeah. So, you know, obedience and compliance over all things. Um, and like all parents, you know, my parents are great and they definitely did their very best. And then when I start realizing, oh, the control over the behavior is like the most important thing to me and realizing, no, that isn't um, for all the, I could take away every single physical thing in my house, have no responsibilities, but it would still be an issue for me. And that is that self-awareness. But what I try to look at um, for my own, this podcast and this audience is when you're able to remove all of the noise and the clutter and the stuff that is preventing you from being able to really focus on yourself and also have that self-awareness of like, mm. I need to be able to understand what's going on with me so that I can parent from that place. It really helps to just kind of take that excess away. So at least you can focus, you know, yeah. on those things. So I am very intrigued about your coaching program, definitely. And it sounds like you have, uh, like you said, group coaching and one-on-one coaching available. So could you kind of let people know where they can find you and the podcast and the coaching? Because um, I do not know anyone that doesn't need help with parenting. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> yeah. is alone in the struggle. Absolutely. So that would be great. Absolutely. Yeah. Come come find me on Instagram. That's where I'm most active. I'm at parent underscore wholeheartedly. And my website is parentingwholeheartedly.com. And that's where you'll find some of my free resources. I have a free masterclass. It's a training on how to survive your strong-willed child and how to parent them without threats and bribes so that you can break free of um, the guilt and the self-doubt and the power struggles that always ensue um, when we are really trying to battle behavior. And so you can download that. It's called Authentic and Unapologetic, as well as a free guide to more patience and a free guide to handling your kids' big emotions. And uh, so all those resources are there for you. And my group program is called Wholeheartedly Calm. And that is specifically for parents of strong-willed kids that really just want to parent them with more patience understanding kind of the tools of positive discipline but the three pillars are your composure your communication and your core needs and if you can't if you really really want to get serious about like a renovation or a transformation in your home and do it in 11 weeks then there is nothing missing from this approach it's the most comprehensive way to kind of level up as a parent and have a whole new toolkit to pull from um, so that you have a lot less meltdowns, tantrums, fits of rage, and you know yelling of no in your face because you have a whole flow chart of ways that you'll handle that moment that give you all the peace of mind and confidence that you can handle whatever they throw your way. And you're also uh, creating this really, really, really strong relationship in the process that they're feeling understood and you're feeling um, respected as well as a parent. You're being kind and firm at the same time, which is a whole like dance. So to do that well, it takes takes some learning. It takes some education. There's nobody has taught you this, right? There's, there's nothing that comes naturally <laughs> to be able to communicate in this way. So just realizing that, taking that shame away and just really feeling like you're ready 
um, for more in your parenting, then um, come come commiserate with us in wholeheartedly calm. You'll not find validation and support as a parent like you will in this community. Yay. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. I'll make sure to link to everything. Um, and thank you again for talking with me and coming on the podcast. And I'm so glad I know that all the mamas are really going to be blessed by everything that we talked about. So thanks again. Of course. If you like today's podcast, here's what you can do. Just take 30 seconds to leave me a review. I know you're a busy mama. You're overwhelmed, in fact, but 30 seconds of your day makes such an impact. I'll be blessed by your words. They'll definitely make my day. And who knows, you might be entered for this month's giveaway. An Apple podcast, scroll down to write a review. Thanks so much for your time. I'm so grateful for you.